And welcome to the June 2012 edition of Talking Point, the official podcast of Crosspoint Publishing. Crosspoint Publishing is a small Christian book publishing company whose main focus is to reach out to pastors, lay ministers, ministry leaders, and also servants of Christ who have powerful messages to share. Some of these people have developed awesome ministries that work so well in their communities and in their own church. And what they want to do is they want to take these ministries outside the walls of the church and share them with other churches and other communities and around the world. There is a self-publishing medium which opens the doors for pastors and all these other people to get these messages out. However, the problem that falls on them is the fact that they're already living busy lives. As they try to reach out and promote these books and promote this material, it gets next to impossible when they have to deal with the everyday realities of ministry work. That's where Crosspoint Publishing comes in. Crosspoint Publishing is dedicated and coming alongside these people, taking their messages out and doing the promotion legwork for them, doing the marketing and trying to get that message spread across the globe as best we can. And that's our main focus, that's our passion, and that's our desire. We're not a vanity publishing company. We're not going to take your money. We're not going to charge you up front to publish your book like some companies do. That's not Crosspoint Publishing. Here's how we do work, though. And this will give you a great idea of if Crosspoint Publishing is the right choice for you. What we do is you submit your manuscript like you would with any other book publisher. We review your manuscript. If we decide to publish it, we contact you. We go through the whole contract process. We sign you to a contract. And at that point, we take your manuscript. We do all the formatting, all the editing that needs to be done. We put it into a book form. And once it's in the book form, then we get it onto the market and we start promoting it. We start marketing it. We start coming up with ideas. We get you doing some podcasts. We get you doing some interviews. And we help you market your book and get it out there to other people. We do all the promotion and the marketing in-house. And then at the end, we do, just like any other publisher, we pay out the royalties based on sales. That is what Crosspoint Publishing is in a nutshell. We're an extension of all churches to help churches take their ministries beyond their four walls, beyond their communities, and impact the world. So if you've been looking to do something like this, and and the one thing that's holding you back is the fact that getting into the major publishing fields is so tough just because of the fact that these major publishers, and it's not their fault, this is just the reality of the business, it costs so much money to market people that these publishers are taking the time to try to find marketable names, people that are already household names. It's really safe to say that many of the pastors out there today are just as great as these other big-name guys. The only problem is, is that it's their market or their situation, and they just haven't been discovered yet. And Crosspoint Publishing might be that moment for you to be discovered so you can get on the big screen and, and really share your message with the world. If you need that stepping stone, that's what Crosspoint can be. Crosspoint can be whatever you need at this point. If you just want to get your message out there, that's what we can do also. So I hope that if you're looking to publish a book, if you have a great ministry that you want to share with the world, I hope you'll take the time to visit our website, crosspointpublishing.com, go to our submission guidelines page and see what we require for our people that want to potentially publish with us. So I hope you'll give it some serious thoughts, and hopefully we can work together in a relationship that lasts a long time, spreading the, the word of Jesus Christ to those who need to hear it and help pastors and other churches and around the world integrate new ministries that have great impact. So that's us in a nutshell. I hope that helps you get kind of an idea of who Crosspoint Publishing is. By the way, my name is Jason Brooks. I'm your host for this program. I also happen to be the founder of Crosspoint Publishing. Here on Talking Point, my hope is to be able to give you kind of an inside look on what's going on at Crosspoint Publishing, what we have to offer, new books that are on the table, stuff that we're working on, uh, little ministry ideas. We also want to share some Christian thoughts and values and just kind of challenge you in any way that we can. We want to be more than just a book publishing company. We want to be a ministry And so there's going to be a lot of ways. We're going to be evolving quite a bit, actually, over the course of the years. This podcast is one of those first stepping stones for us, kind of our soapbox, if you will. And I hope you'll take the time to download this podcast each month, listen to what we have to say, and share it with others. And uh, let's see what we can do together. I'm really excited about these possibilities.
So on today's podcast, what I'm kind of excited about is we're going to look at Remy Diederich. Remy is the author of Healing the Hurts of Your Past, A Guide to Overcoming the Pain of Shame. Now, Remy's book has been, uh, is actually the accumulation of years of, of research and study and as well as presentation as he built a curriculum that he's been using as his role as a spirituality consultant at Arbor Place Treatment Center. Arbor Place is a treatment center for people recovering from addictions and other behaviors that have been destructive in their lives. And so Remy built this curriculum, and it turned into the foundation of, of healing the hurts of your past. And we've been really excited that we had an opportunity to come alongside with him and promote this book. Uh, Remy had done a number of seminars years ago and was promoting this book on his own, but it just took up too much of his time. And so he sought out someone that could do the work for him, the kind of the legwork, and share this ministry because he believes in it so much. And it really is having an impact right away. We receive emails almost every day of people whose lives are being changed just from the, the message in this book. So Remy was the featured guest on WWIB Front Page with Mark Halverson. Mark Halverson sat down for six weeks and did a walk-through study of Remy's book. And they each week they kind of worked their way through the book as like a study on-air study group is what we called it. And so what we did is we took uh, just a snippet off that first part to share with you here in this podcast. If you want to catch all six parts, they're very informative. It gives you a really in-depth look on what Healing the Hurts of Your Past is all about and, and how you can apply it in your ministry. So... If you want to catch all six parts, you can go to our website, crosspointpublishing.com, go to the free resource tab, and you'll find all six parts in MP3, downloadable, absolutely free, no charge. I encourage you to do that if you want to learn more about this book. But what I wanted to do was take a snippet from part one that they did. Because what Remy did is he did something uh, on air that he wasn't didn't do in the book, and that's go back to where the root of shame comes from in a biblical view. And it's really fascinating. I think you'll enjoy this little segment. And so with that, let's get started with Remy Diedrich on WWIB 103.7 with Mark Halverson in the first part of their six-part sit-down on healing the hurts of your past, a guide to overcoming the pain of shame on your study. Shame, and we're going to go back today as we launch into this six-week series, we're going to go back right to the beginning, aren't we? Yeah, very beginning. Uh, something I didn't take the time to get into in the book was just taking a strong biblical look from Genesis. And I think being a Christian radio station, I thought your, your listeners might appreciate that. Just, I think from my worldview, it's so strongly rooted in the Genesis account because to understand shame, you have to really understand the value that God created in us to begin with. And, and I think when we understand that, then it's suddenly there's this aha moment like, oh, that's what I'm feeling. That's what I'm longing for. I'm longing for the sense of value that um, I think I should have, but I don't have it. And I'm always looking for it. It reminded me of, I don't know if you've heard this, Mark, but uh, C.S. Lewis once said that one of his proofs for God was that um, he believed in God because he believed that we only long for those things which we desire. So in other words, he said, mm. we know that... Uh, our, our longing for water is is accurate because there is mm -hmm. water. And we know that the, our longing for food is, is accurate because there is this thing called food. And he goes down a long list of things that we long for, and everything that we long for exists. And he said, so I, I have to think mm. that this worldwide longing for God must mean that a God exists. It's not just something that we've created to make ourselves happy. It's because he, we long for it because it's really there. And, and so applying that to, to the shame, I thought... I think that's true with self-worth, too. We long to be valued, to be respected, to be affirmed, not just because we're a bunch of wimps that need always need a hug, but because we were created. I mean, there, we were created with that kind of value in the very beginning, and we're always looking back. Whether we're a Christian or not, we're just a human being. We're looking back for that 
for something that we think should exist and we don't know what happened to it. So we're mm. always looking for it. I'm not, I wasn't familiar with that C.S. Lewis quote you said, but it is fascinating. It made me think as you're going through that, I'm like, boy, my desperate heart longing uh, when I was old enough to even realize it was for eternal life mm-hmm. and realizing you know, uh, that that life is in the sun yeah. and that you long to live forever. Who wants to live and then only to have it end? Right. You know, that's the idea. Yeah. Why but, do you long for that? I think because it exists. It was created for <laughs> right. that. God right. intended that to be, but sin gets in the way. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. wouldn't it make sense if, if, if there was no life after death that everyone just took life for what it is? And it's like we we all, corp- throughout the world, we all we went, yep, yeah, you die. When you die, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. But no, very few of us do that. And I mean, obviously, some atheists and agnostics, particularly atheists, we've had a growing uh, vocal uh, atheistic writing community out there. Who've tried to contend that that is it, but Paul in First Corinthians fifteen, as we're approaching the Easter season, says, "Hey, if the resurrection isn't true, eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow you die." Yeah, right. right. But but it's interesting because when you said you want to go back to the beginning, even in the lab, I was thinking, okay, yeah, Genesis three at the fall, and shame is mentioned there. But I'm sensing you want to go back even to lay no, some foundation before that. I want to go to Genesis one mm-hmm. because that's where where it all starts. And I and I pulled up here Genesis one and. Uh, you know, in the very beginning, when God created uh, humanity, if I can just read that to you in uh, mm-hmm. verse uh, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. I mean, that alone, I mean, you could meditate on that for an hour. Just God created us in his image. Somehow we are the reflection of the very nature and the character and the essence of God. That's That just blows me away. So he created us in his, his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So just that statement alone. I mean, nail that to the wall and say, okay, that's the starting point. That's the value that, that was invested in every one of us. And we need to take that to the bank every day. I mean, that's, and, mm. and so, uh, it, the, 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 the beginning, the creation story is so powerful. I, I just spoke on this a couple of weeks ago at church and it gets to the end. So God creates everything. And then it comes to, I was speaking on Sabbath. So I was talking about the seventh day, but God does this wonderful thing of creation and he gets to the seventh day and he goes, okay, wait, wait, wait. This was so good. Hmm. We have to take a seventh day. We're going to take a whole 24 hours just to appreciate hmm. what I just did because it was so good. Hmm. I mean, I, I talked about it as, as God exhausting himself, not in the sense that he depleted himself or was exhausted, but but God, it's like he, he cough sounds like something negative, but he exhaled. Maybe that's a better word. He exhaled. And when he exhaled, he created everything. So everything that's in existence comes from the very heart of God. And then, of course, it's been defiled and, and so forth. But, let, me, let me just ask you about that, because that's yeah. interesting. Are you saying that uh, that all of the creating, he did those six days, or are you saying in a sense of uh, the masterpiece of his creation, man, that after that, that he was rested? I'm talking about all of creation. Yeah, all of creation. All of, yeah. you know, and right. mankind being a part of that. Right. But just, just this whole idea of he created this incredible thing when he he, he exhaled and this right. all came into existence and then he then he stops in the seventh day and he says, "Okay, we're going to stop for a mm-hmm. whole twenty four hours." And in mm-hmm. fact, we're going to incorporate that into the to the to the cycle, the rhythm mm-hmm. of life for the rest of eternity. We're going to stop every seven days and just reflect on who I am and what I've done because it's mm-hmm. so good. That's really beautifully uh, presented, I think. By if I can just real quick, when I was a college freshman, that's when I started my struggling, especially about uh, between the first and second semester, and I started asking three questions: Who am I? What's the meaning of life? And what happens after I die? And I found uh, you know, beer bongs and sexual immorality. That was just, it was empty, right? Didn't, didn't make it for you. <laughs> the huh? pagan lifestyle found me wanting. Yeah. And and so uh, who am I? I'll just deal with that question. And that's where I found the Bible to say, I mean, 
here Jesus said, Mark eight thirty six. what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And there it was in the beginning. I didn't know for sure I had a soul. Mm-hmm. All right. But at the same time, uh, there's the, in Genesis that you're made in my image. You have a soul that's the breath of God's mouth. Yeah. And that is so huge. I appreciate it. It is. And, and so I, I guess um, for, for those of us who are going to track for the next six weeks on this, we're going to talk about a lot of dark things. And for a while, for a while, you're going to wonder if this is even a Christian show because we're just talking about dark stuff. But that's whenever I talk about the dark stuff, it's with this light in mind. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's so important. And for those of, of your listeners that are struggling with shame, that is something that they really need to meditate on. Because that's our starting point. That's that's where God started it all right there. Let me ask you, though, because uh, the creation account is has been for a long time and continues to be under such assault. Yeah. So yet you have such confidence in the creation account as a definer of who we are. Well, it's almost like one of the, the things I was saying about longing. I, I don't know, you know, how, how scientifically accurate it is. And I'm just not, I'm not, I never fight that fight. I don't argue You're that You're very that good battle. at avoiding controversy. I well, mean, and you really are. I try to get to the bottom line. And the bottom line isn't, this was a, a textbook, and I know some people might want to fight that, and some of your listeners are probably calling already. But the point, <laughs> the point is, <laughs> the point is, I, I am absolutely, um, uh, like I said, as far as the, the um, believing that the, when I read it, I just go, this is so true. This is so true. I mean, I'm not going to argue the facts, but it is so true what is being said here. So let's not miss the forest for the trees here, uh, because this is so true. So, anyways, yeah, God created this, and He the the the, the message that He is sending to us is that God is power all powerful, and that we are fantastic. He created something mm. fantastic, mm. and if God would create anything less than fantastic, if we think less of ourselves, that's really a statement against God. You know, for us to say, well, I'm just this little poor little mm-hmm. weak worm and stuff. It's like, whoa, whoa time out. Mm. Don't you know who created you? Mm. And so the, how we think about ourselves is really a reflection of how we think about God. And it's, it's an act of worship, how we think about ourselves. And I know that would be a challenge for some people because they've almost trained themselves to think poorly of themselves. But the more you can think highly of yourself, not in a humanistic, you know, prideful way, but in a positive way, you're really reflecting back on the goodness and the greatness of God. So kind of in a Psalm 139, 13 to 60, that idea of fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. I mean, that meditate on that, drink that in. I mean, that's who you are. That's how he's made yeah. each one, right? Yeah, and so that's why I don't want to blow by that. And so then uh, advancing to, to chapter 2 in Genesis, it's uh, 25, the last sentence in that chapter. It says, the, the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And uh, so now we're starting to, that's just a really interesting statement because they just dropped that word shame in there and there was no shame applying, you know, in indicating that, that that's, you know, it's kind of like foreshadowing. Oh, oh, what's coming up? But why did they say that? Like, there's no shame now, but does that mean there's shame coming? And and of course we know that there is shame coming, but just the idea they're making the statement before this, all, all this bad stuff went down in chapter three. We just want to be really clear that it was really good hmm. in the beginning. That's interesting because if you would have asked me a quiz, and I've followed shame, and I've been tried to come an adult child of alcoholic, and, uh, and my dad had pornography around the house, and you and I have talked about shame over many years, mm-hmm. and yet you've gone into it more deeply with writing books and articles on it and teaching seminars. But um, if you would have just asked me, Mark, when's the first time shame is mentioned in the Bible? I would have said, you know, right after the fall. So there right. you are. It's mentioned in Genesis 2. Yeah, it's actually not. Uh, I was looking. There, there's mm-hmm. a one or two translations that throw mm-hmm. a shame in, in chapter 3, but I don't know. New Living does. Yeah, yeah. New Living. And I, and that's, I think that's kind of an interpolation. I think they're just 
they're reading that into it. I, I think the thought, I think you're accurate in the sense that the thought is there, but the word isn't actually there. But mm-hmm. here in, in 25, in chapter 225, it's actually there. No shame. So, yeah. but the word I think that is a good descriptor and helps us to start to understand what shame is all about is the word naked. So the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Naked and so, you know, we, we typically go right to the idea of physical nakedness, but it's just the, this idea of there was nothing hidden. Everything was exposed, and I and I'm and don't cling on just to the physical aspect. It's like hmm. because we're we're emotional, we're spiritual, and we're physical beings. So let's not limit that just to the physicality of it. They were naked. Everything was exposed. Their heart was exposed. Their hmm. emotions were exposed. They knew everything about each other, and they felt no shame. Hmm. I mean, how many relationships do we have that if everything was exposed, if we were naked hmm. in all three areas, you know, emotionally, physically, and, and spiritually, that we would say. And there's no shame. And I think that's where in marital intimacy, in a, a healthy marriage, that's what you want to be after. I think of the, the breakdown of the word intimacy, into me see, that in a healthy mm. way, you see into your spouse sure. and your spouse sees into you. Yeah. But in a broken, fallen world, that's a lot of times tough to get to, even in Christian marriages. Yeah. So it's that, it's that idea of being totally vulnerable mm. with, one each other, with one another in, in that setting, and there's no awkwardness you know we say hmm. awkward you know we talk about that but there is no awkwardness in this nakedness which is it's it's out of this world that's not something we experience in this hmm. world so that's that's the next step fine all right so we laid a, a, a very bright encouraging foundation i think that was uh, was excellent here laying out genesis one and two and kind of the the masterpiece that god has created people to be yeah so i want to talk about that more and again and maybe you know i like to speculate a little bit uh, not to add to Scripture, but just to give us a better feel for what Scripture might be saying. So let me speculate a little bit here in chapter 3. Uh, let me read to you verse 7, chapter 3 of Genesis. It says, Then the eyes, so this is after sin entered the world, you know, disobedience came, sin entered the world. It says, Then the eyes of both of them, Adam and Eve, were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now, you know, I think, we, again, we, we often look at this in such a one-dimensional way, and we, we think of, oh, they were covering their, their genitals and stuff like that. And it's, it's, I think the idea, again, being naked is, is much bigger, and the idea of covering is much bigger. They obviously, when, when sin entered the world, something left, okay? Something left them. And it was more than just, oh, you don't have any clothes. I mean, they had no concept of clothes, so that, that's not what they're thinking. I think, and this is my speculation, I think... There was a, a, a radiance to them. I think there was a glory that we would call glory that surrounded them. And they didn't know it because that, that's what like, humans, you know, Adam and Eve had this radiance, a glow. They'd never known anything different. Didn't know anything different. Mm-hmm. And so we might associate it with like, if, I think when we think of angels, so that's what I'm talking about. When we think of angels, I think we think of this glory, this, this radiant glow that surrounds them. I think that's what Adam and Eve were like. I mean, God, he created them. They were this wonderful thing that I was talking about. This wonderful manifestation of the power of God. So it wouldn't surprise me at all that there was this manifestation of glory. So they sin, boom, that just leaves them. And now they're just like you and me. No, no radiance, no nothing. And I go, I think that's what they felt was naked. They go, we're, we're, they weren't missing clothes. They were missing this, hmm. this glory. Mm-hmm. And they just went, what just happened? We just went from this, in, you know, now we realize that there was something really great that happened. And, now, and we went to this this really lower level humanity. Hmm. And I think it, that's why they went running for the trees to get anything they could to cover themselves because it was, uh, it was so devastating. They, they had to hide. And that's the, I'm glad it was key, key word there. Uh, the essence of, of uh, shame is hiding 
you got to hide. It, it's the opposite of, of shame is being naked and unashamed. Hmm. And the, 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 the true sense of shame is that you, you have to hide something. You know, at least you believe that something's wrong with you. There's, there's something um, shameful about you, yeah, mm-hmm. defective, and you've got to cover that up in any way you can. So if it's leaves, it'll be leaves. If it's uh, driving a really fancy car to, to impress you, you'll do that. You'll do anything you can to hide. So a lot of people spend a great deal of energy hiding, and that's the essence of shame. Hmm. It's funny you say it because a little, a little bit I've done on uh, some research, whether Christian or secular even on shame, is that uh, that there's kind of two conventional ways people go. One is is that uh, turtle pulling his head into the shell, I'm defective, I'm inadequate. Yeah, give up. Okay, and i got to say that's kind of the way I over the years kind of battled it. It was just uh, – feel like you're, you you are defective mm-hmm. it was kind of uh rudolph the red-nosed reindeer uh if people remember that christmas special the land of misfit toys sure. I think people of shame really feel that way yep uh, on the other hand there's other people who kind of try to cover up their shame uh through you, you talked about a new car for whatever yeah, you mentioned overachieving that. yeah you know, exactly. I, I just wrote a blog called uh, uh overachie- overachievers and winners have shame too and i think that's you know when we the, the stereotypical picture of a shame-based person is this kind of mm-hmm. a this really a person who's always going around beating themselves up and saying, apologizing mm-hmm. for everything they do and mm-hmm. say, that's one kind of shame based mm-hmm. person. But mm-hmm. the other person is that executive who drives the Lamborghini to work and puts, you know, parks closest to, you know, on and on and on because he needs to show people that, that he is valuable and mm-hmm. he's going to prove it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So we, we start off and so the kind of the removal of glory or the, the, the entrance of shame at the fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that is the setup for the rest of the Bible. Okay, that's why these, yeah. these first three these chapters are so important. If you don't, uh, if you, you know, if you just want to hang around in the New, New Testament, that's fine. But you got to at least read the first three chapters of, of the Old Testament <laughs> because they set the rest of the Bible up. The rest of the Bible is all about uh, number one, how we live without that glory. You know how how we are, are so messed up without that glory, and that's 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 really the answer to a lot of why uh, so many bad things happen in the, in the old Testament that people scratch their head about and they go, how can this be in the Bible? These people are because they lost the glory and they're trying to find it back. Yeah. And so finally we get a clue of what God is doing when Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus shows us that he's all about restoring the glory. So there you have it. A quick little sneak peek at Remy Diedrich when he was on air with Mark Halverson. You can catch all six parts of that on our website. Go to the free resource tabs at crosspointpublishing.com to get more information on that. So with that, we're going to wrap up the program. Next month on our podcast, we're going to be giving you more details. Actually, we'll give you the first initial details of an online webinar series that we will begin with uh, Remy Diedrich. He's going to be going through Healing the Hurts of Your Past. We're going to do kind of an introductory, a free introductory webinar uh, sometime in August. We're going to give you more details next month on the July edition of this podcast. Uh, You can also check out our website, crosspointpublishing.com, for more information there. Check out our blog, jasonmbrooks.com. That is my blog, personal blog. It's also the uh, Crosspoint Publishing's official blog. You can also follow us on Twitter, at xpointpub. That's the letter X, P-O-I-N-T, pub. That's uh, xpointpub. That's our our Twitter. Or you can follow us on Facebook, at crosspointpublishing.com. Excuse me, just at crosspointpublishing.com on our Facebook page. So all three of those, uh, four of those sources will be great information if you want to keep up to date with what's going on with Crosspoint and for more information on our upcoming webinar series. The webinar series, again, will be featuring Remy Diedrich and we'll have more information on this podcast next month and as well as those other sites I just mentioned. 
So with that, I want to thank you for downloading this first official podcast of Crosspoint Publishing. And we hope that it was informative and I hope it gets you a little excited about uh, Remy's book, Healing the Hurts of Your Past. And uh, in the future, we're hoping to have Remy here on the program. And we have other great speakers lined up here in the future. So I just want to thank you again. Have a great week and I'll talk to you next month.